What a blessing it is to worship together in the house of the Lord and in the spirit of the Lord. Amen. And it's so good as we connect, we connect online, but we also are connecting. Uh, I, I love connecting with faces and smiles and people. Amen. It's just so good. Well, we're going to do something a little bit different. And that's why Amber is staying up here. We're uh, going to read the scripture a little bit differently today. We're in uh, the series that I've called Kingdom Culture. And we are studying the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon of All Sermons. And it begins with these uh, eight declarative blessings that Jesus made. Aren't you glad that Jesus blessed us? And these blessings are amazing because uh, they really uh, are a description of of how we are launched into mission in life. And so that's what we're studying right now. I want us to read uh, the scripture, these beatitude blessings, uh, responsively. And those of you who grew up in liturgical traditions know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Nod your head like that. Those of you who didn't, you don't have a clue, but it's where you, you speak back and forth. So let's stand, and we're going to read the scripture, and guys are going to read the first part, and ladies are going to read the second part. And so it's going to be right up here on the screen, and guys, you got to join me with gusto, and Amber's going to lead you with gusto. We won't have a contest or anything like that. But uh, we want to declare these blessings over one another uh, as we are gathered as body of Christ. Ready, guys? With strength. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. For they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful. For they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you. When others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for a word that is breathed out upon us that is breathed out upon the pages that we open and that we read and that comes to us by the presence and the illumination of your Holy Spirit. God, we pray that you would do your work among us, uh, in us, uh, by your word. Lord, do surgery, if necessary, in our spirits and in our hearts. Uh, We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Well, we uh, last week began to look at these scriptures a little bit differently, and the the Lord led me just to kind of see things uh, in a different uh, angle, a different light, and really calling it the rocket science of the kingdom. (laughs) And we're looking at these uh, in, in a comparison to what happens around us here on the Space Coast every day. How many of you saw the Lucy launch or, or heard it? At, at 5.34 in the morning. I was actually up, and I went out from where I was. There was too many clouds. I, I didn't see her. It was already gone. But, boy, you can always hear the rumble. Isn't it marvelous to live in the space area 
uh, of uh, the world where uh, launches go up. I talk to people when I'm traveling and they say, well, do you just see rockets all the time? And I say, yeah. <laughs> where do, you, do you go down there? And I say, no, I just go out in the front yard most of the time. It's just amazing, isn't it? And so I think that Jesus really would have taught in a way similar to this. Because that's the way Jesus taught. He connected with things that people knew. He would say things like, a farmer, and everybody would go, oh yeah, we know farmers. A farmer went out and and he scattered seed. And they would say, yeah, we know what that's like. And some of the seed fell on really good soil. And they would nod their heads. And and he said, and and some of the seed fell on on, uh, bad ground. And some of it fell among the weeds. And they were going, yeah, that's, that's just the way it happens. And then he would make this incredible depth teaching out of something they knew about. So that's what I'm going to try to do. I think Jesus would do this if he was here. He would just make these kinds of comparisons. But launching a mission, that mission, Lucy, didn't just happen one day. They didn't just say, oh, let's go do a rocket. It was a lot of planning in order for the right forces to come together for that launch to take place. And that's the thing that we really want to see is that God has a mission for your life. God has a mission for my life. He didn't launch you without knowing where he wanted you to go. He didn't launch you without a plan. And he didn't launch you without providing everything, every blessing that you would need. And so these Beatitudes, as I've been studying them and kind of meditating on them, describe our launch uh, as kingdom people, our launch into the kingdom mission that he has for each and every one of us. Now, every launch has uh, uh, several components, and that's what I'm... I started looking at this past weekend. And the first one is ignition. Uh, and ignition is, is in that very first uh, beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's the lighting point. We don't go anywhere without that first realization that we are, we are bankrupt before the Lord spiritually. We don't have anything to offer to God. And only when we come to that realization do we know, okay, now I'm ready to launch. And God says, yeah, now you're ready to launch. And that's when we begin this flourishing uh, that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. So this is uh, the point uh, where in the kingdom uh, where things are lit. And then the, the second thing we looked at is fuel. And that's in the second beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Well, what does mourning have to do with fuel? It's because they will be comforted, and that word is the word paraclete, which is the name of Holy Spirit. It's just amazing. I love the message that Michael Thompson brought us on this. That it's in the point of mourning that he enters in and fuels us for what he has for us in the future. We may say, well, I don't really want these sad times. I don't really want these hard times. But it's in those hard times that he fuels us for what he has in the future. I love the way that Michael said it. He said that he rushes into those wounded places and brings into us everything that we need. He comes alongside us to bless us in that way. And it's only with that fuel that we're going to be able to lift off. The third component uh, for a rocket scientist is thrust. Uh, We begin to develop thrust because you're not going to break away. You're not going to break the gravity without thrust. Blessed are the meek For they shall inherit, they shall take the earth. Now that doesn't sound like thrust, but that was Jesus. When he came, he came with a kind of thrust that was so antithetical to anything that we would think about. 
the world that he came into was a world of power and taking and grabbing. And he came in to say, I have all of that power, but I step back and I'm going to allow myself to be arrested. I'm going to allow myself to be crucified for you, to take the world for you and to save you. It's just an amazing kind of thing. Meekness is the manner by which we conduct our lives and thereby we we develop that thrust. Today we're to the fourth component and I'm going to call it trajectory. Uh, Trajectory is really, really important. Uh, And in terms of uh, rocket science and and all of that study, physical trajectory is the path that an object with mass follows through space as a function of time. Now, that's a a fancy definition, but it's very similar to what he has for us. That that trajectory, in other words, we are moving in a place and we have a trajectory to, to end up in a specific place at a specific time. Spiritually, trajectory describes where you are going, when you will get there, and by what path. And that's really, really important because without trajectory, we're just sort of aimless and clueless. (laughs) And we're just sort of tumbling in spiritual space without any uh, knowledge of where are we going to land. And you have trajectory. You know, it occurred to me, you have trajectory whether you're listening or not. You're going to land somewhere. Is it going to be the trajectory God has for you? Is the trajectory where I land at what time? Is it going to be what God has planned? How many of you want to know? I want to land where God wants me to land. I don't want to be tumbling out there and just end up some other place. And you see, with God, launched by God, we have a plan. We have a specific trajectory. Uh, We often turn to Jeremiah 29, 11, because it's such a powerful description of this. And, And God says, I know the plan. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. And it's such a powerful statement. Plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's in the English Standard Version. Why don't we read that out loud together in the top part there. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, in the PJV version, that's the Pastor Jeff version, um, a paraphrase, I would paraphrase it this way. I know, I know the trajectory and the flight plan I have for you, declares the Lord. A plan for success and not failure to give you hope in a future. Someone say hallelujah. hallelujah. And uh, I was studying this and I, and I thought, you know, he's saying I would never have launched you without a plan. You know, there's not a missile that goes up. You know, they didn't shoot off that missile yesterday and go, well, what are we going to do with it? (laughs) You you know, Lucy has, I think, a 14-year plan to study these asteroids. I mean, it is really planned out carefully. And and God did not launch you. You know, never once have we heard a a broadcaster or radio say, "Uh, Houston, we have a problem. We don't know where we're going. There's always a plan, and there's always a plan for you. There is a plan for you. And well, I don't know anything that's more important exactly. than Well, getting, getting the start, we need to be launched. But once we're going, we need to know. Missile trajectory is defined by position and momentum. That's how it's described. Um, but kingdom trajectory is defined by four different elements. This is what I'm going to talk about 
uh, today and then in the next few weeks. Righteousness, mercy, purity, and peace are the four elements that, that determine, that define where you're going to end up. Righteousness is our position. We're going to talk about that today. And mercy is our momentum. And purity is our path. And peace is our target. Those are the next few weeks in case you want to know where we're going. So today is about positioning. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Let's read that out loud together. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. It's kind of a global, spiritual, global positioning. Where are you? And it has to do with what we hunger and thirst for. So let's do a little bit of word study. I mean, this is a really powerful blessing, but we need to know what these words mean. Hunger and thirst, in various parts of the Bible, we'll find those words. Hunger is the word pinao. Say that with me, pinao. It means to be famished or to crave or to be starving. Thirst is the word dipsao, and it means to be parched with thirst. So these are not sort of gentle words. These are not uh, easy words. These These mean to be just absolutely hungry and starving and parched in thirst. And the combination in the ancient world was used to describe really the the deepest of physical longings. It's like if you're out in the desert, it's one thing to not have any food, but if you got water, you can fill your stomach with water. If you don't have any food, but you have water, then at least you have water. But to not have either is, is just to be absolutely physically at the greatest point of need. So scripture uses these um, to describe our deepest spiritual longing. A couple of scriptures that, uh, that are, are, are evidence of this are Psalm 42. Um, let's read this out loud together. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? This thirsting of our soul. And, and Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And so it's this hungering and thirsting that determines our positioning. And what are we hungering and thirsting for? Really, really important. Righteousness. And we throw these words around sometimes. Somebody will say, well, that was really righteous, you know. And that means like you did a good thing, you did a right thing, or something like that. Well, this is a huge word in the way that Jesus used it. Righteousness, the, the Greek word is didaiosune. I won't put that on the test, okay, I promise. And it means to have equity of character or action, but in, it, in its tense, it means to have all righteousness, not just a little bit. It's not, well, you were really righteous when, when you did that. This is a huge word. And this, this great big word, all righteousness, I, I, we're going to look at that. Well, what does that mean, all righteousness? To seek and hunger and thirst after all righteousness. But when we do, we will be satisfied, and that word is cortazo, and it means filled, fed, gorged. It's another one of these great big words. Think about Thanksgiving. I, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a family with three brothers, uh, so there were four of us, the four b- brothers, four guys, all teenagers. And we engaged in something that I can only describe as competitive eating. 
I mean, we did that all the time. It was like you had to grab her, you wouldn't get any. And Thanksgiving was just this, oh my goodness, there is so much, you cannot even eat it all. And so we would measure. We competitively, you know, we'd go back for the third plate and then the fourth plate. If you hit the fifth plate, boy, you were the winner. And I remember then just being so stuffed. Do you remember this occasion? I can't do that anymore. Stuffed to where we were miserable and then we would just kind of go in and, and, and try to sit down comfortably to watch some football. And it wasn't that easy. This is the word that describes this. In other words, to be so filled with righteousness that there is no more. There is no more thirst. There is no more asking there. You couldn't take another tidbit, another tiny bit of righteousness because of this satisfaction that Jesus is describing. And how many of you think that's a pretty blessed place? It, it, It really is. Now, it's interesting because Jesus did not say, blessed are the righteous. He just didn't say that. Uh, And why? Well, there's a really good reason why, and that's because the Bible tells us none is righteous. No, not one. There's not one of us that can achieve or can can, uh, aspire to or grab or take hold of righteousness apart from Jesus. And so there's none that, he's not saying, I'm blessing you because I've noticed you're so righteous. We only find righteousness in Christ. But blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, who desire, who realize, I don't have that and I desire that. You see, our personal life trajectory is defined by what we are hungry for. People hunger for a whole lot of things. Fame and fortune and power, excitement, influence, attention, uh, maybe just new experiences, uh, And some of those are really good things, to travel and experience things and discover things or invent things. These are all really good things. Some some hunger for a sense of peace or a general assurance that things are going to be okay. Sometimes I talk to folks and they say, I just want to know everything's going to be all right. I mean, that's what I want more than anything. I just need need to know that things are going to be okay. And we, we sometimes hunger for a sense of meaning. If I could just know there's meaning to this, that would help me a whole lot. This thing that I'm going through, these hard times that I see. And people also hunger for relationship. Because a lot, a lot of this is found in relationship. Not knowing that there's an, another person that cares and that we care for. But what Jesus is saying is that our deepest hunger, really our deepest need is this all rightness. You know, sometimes people will say, how are you doing? And, and I'll say, all right. <laughs> how are you doing? How are you doing today? And, and if we say, all right, that, what does that mean? It usually means not all right, doesn't it? It usually means uh, okay, but, but anything but all right, you know. If you say, how are you doing, Pastor Jeff? And, and things are, I think things are really good. I'll say, great. But if I say, well, all right. And so it's different from that, all right. This is so much bigger, this all right. Jesus defines our deepest need is to be all right. It starts with with that ignition point, poor in spirit. The realization that we have no righteousness within ourselves to offer before God. When we start there, and, and really only the spirit can reveal that to us. 
Until the Spirit reveals that need in us, we're not on the journey. And then we realize, I'm not all right, and God alone is all right, and He alone is perfectly good. And our only access to righteousness is in God by faith. There's a number of scriptures that point us in that direction. That's the only way that we can put on righteousness. Jesus is talking about a hunger for the whole thing, for all of righteousness. The Greek tense, and I won't put that on the test either, okay? It's accusative tense, and that probably doesn't interest very many people, except that it means more than just an occasional craving. It's a craving for the whole thing. It means a hunger and thirst for the whole thing, not tidbits. In other words, it's not, well, I'd like a little bit of righteousness here. That over there I don't really care for. No, 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 no. This This is all righteousness. And, and, and it's, not, it's not pieces. This is not standing in front of the refrigerator saying, I want something, but I'm not quite sure what it is. You ever been there? <laughs> maybe, maybe recently. So this is not nibbling at little bits of righteousness to see if I might like it. Uh, the whole of righteousness that is found only in God. So God really is what you're hungry for. And that's the thing, you know, sometimes we get engaged, we say, well, I just love study. I can just study and study. Or I love worship, and I can just worship and worship. Or I love the music, and I, and I, and I just can pursue that. Or the fellowship, I love the fellowship. All of these are pieces, but what we need most is God. We'll only find this deepest hunger in that place. Beneath all of the cravings that we resist and, and the big ones that we sometimes give into is this fundamental craving, need for God. It's sometimes described as the God-shaped hole inside of us. And that's the one thing that will fill us. And why is that? It's because it's this all-righteousness that we need that is the only thing that will satisfy All righteousness means several things. It means that we crave to be right with God, get that relationship right. We crave to be right with others, get these relationships around us right. We we hunger to be right with the world that is around us and for the world to be doing okay. We thirst for the right, uh, for things to be right in our core relationships. What do I mean by that? Those closest to us, our family and our friends and our church. Those core relationships that are so very important because it's only there that we are satisfied. We are filled up to where things are all good. Things are all right. And we only find that all righteousness in God. Deuteronomy chapter 4 describes it. Why don't you read this out loud with me? You will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. This is our quest. Our righteousness is found only in Christ as we connect with God. Apostle Paul said it this way as he was writing to the Corinthians. He said, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. It's just kind of stunning that Jesus took it all upon himself so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I I just can't even, that blows me away. 
we, because of what he did, we become the righteousness of God. It's not because of anything that's in me or anything I bring, but we become the righteousness of God and we become the witness to the righteousness of God everywhere that we go. People will say, well, why, did, why do you do that? Why are you so honest? Why, why do you do the right thing? It's because, it's because he has put in me the righteousness of God. I, I can't do anything else. Why do you give back the money when, when they give you too much change? Why do you do these kinds of things? Why do you do righteous things so that they would say, well, that was really righteous? It's because he has made us to be the righteousness of God. And it's in both being righteous by faith and doing righteousness in faith. We get into this debate in Christian faith about is it important to be a Christian? Well, I'm saved, so that's, I'm, I be a Christian. <laughs> or is it most important to do the gospel, to do the things of the gospel? And the answer is yes. <laughs> yes. It's not one or the other. They're both very, very important. Jesus is describing an unrelenting desire to be righteousness and to do righteousness. And our being righteousness is by faith. That, that's the only way. Paul described it in Philippians chapter 3. He said, And having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes... I'm sorry, let me read again. Not having a righteousness of my own... It comes from the law, from being good. But that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That's the only way. To trust and receive what he has done. To take on, he's clothed us with righteousness. But we have to receive that by faith. We also have to choose to do righteousness. Isaiah chapter 1 says, um, learn to do right you got to learn it. How many of you know that? you got to learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. I mean, these are, these are such fundamental scriptures about how we do the righteousness of Christ, how we do the righteousness of scripture, how we do the word of God. Where do we learn this? We, he says, learn this. Well, we learn it in the word of God, 2 Timothy 3. Let's read this out loud together. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. For training. When you open the Bible, the, the Lord is training you. It's, your, it's our training manual. We find a description of this in Micah chapter 6. He has told you, O oh man... What is good? This is what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do? Doing. Do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. What a powerful description of doing what we're supposed to do. (laughs) There's some danger zones if we miss this balance. And one is that if we focus on being righteous without doing, doing righteousness, we can fall into a false sense of security. We say, well, I am righteous because of Jesus, and I'm saved, and I'm acceptable, and it doesn't matter what I do. I can can do whatever I want. I can be unjust. I can make wrong choices, and 
uh, because I'm righteous. I'm righteous in Christ. It's a huge error. I don't have to worry about doing anything right. So we, we want to really steer clear of that. And, and also, if we focus on doing righteousness and neglect being righteousness, we can fall into a kind of personal legalism or the error of, of judging others. Where we say, well, I, I do the righteous stuff. I'm so glad I'm not like those people. <laughs> those sinners over there. And we get into, into judging other people. You know, I had to learn in my Christian walk. Uh, you know, people say, well, the, those people, they're, they're doing these terrible things. I say, yeah, they're lost. That's what they do. Did you know that sinners sin? All of us. <laughs> Nod your head like this. And so we can't point and say, well, that's terrible what you're doing. Well, that, just doing what, what is in a lost person. And so let's be the witness and show the hope of Christ in our interactions and everything that we do. We don't want to be in that place either. So we want to pursue all righteousness. And it calls for these three things. And they're all important. I think in this order, to have the righteous aim... Uh, to seek the long-range mission that God has for our lives. He has a mission. He has a target for you. And to say, that's what I am seeking. I'm hungering and thirsting for that place of righteousness, that filled-up place, and to fulfill. You know, Scripture says that that God has a plan. He He saved you to do certain works. I mean, that's always been very convicting to me. I don't want to get to heaven and have the Lord say, Well, I'm so glad you're finally here. (laughs) There were a lot of things I I wanted you to be doing. I had this list, but you didn't get through the list. I want to do everything, don't you? I want to be everything, don't you? That, That he planned, that he desired. I have a plan for you, a plan that is amazing. And it's not a plan to harm you. And it's not a a plan to bring you evil. The the second thing is to know that our thoughts are right. Um, To to seek God in our thought life. How many of you know you can be doing all the right things, but your brain is in a different place? And we're going to get, this is really important, because later on in the the book of, uh, in in the sermon here a little bit, Jesus is going to say, well, it's not just okay uh, to not go out and hit people. It's what's in your heart. And it's not right if you say, well, I haven't committed any terrible sins, you know. And he says, yeah, but you've lusted in your heart. So what's in our mind and in our heart is critically important. And this is laying the foundation for what Jesus is going to show us and Jesus is going to be teaching us. So righteous thoughts and then righteous actions, the stuff that we do day to day. How many of you know there's a million temptations? Sometimes it can be just to to be self-focused instead of other-focused. I just learned more and more to listen for the nudges. If there's this nudge that says, you need to call this person. I'll call that. I, I, yes, sir. I need to call that person. If, if, uh, if I get this nudge that says, you know, you need to go and reach out and you need to give in this area. I need to listen to that. I need to respond to that. If, if, if there's a, a call to go and help in a certain ministry, uh, I mean, I pray about it. I pray about everything, but it's, it's doing the right actions. And then there are so many times when there are these temptations to just do the wrong thing, do the selfish thing, cut the corner, you know, 
whether it's in preparing your taxes or whatever it is. How, how am I going to be a righteous and honest person? I'm going to do the right things. All of that. All of this goes together. And we can't get it mixed up along the way. Because sometimes we can find ourselves saying, well, if I could just get my actions straight and look good, then everything will be okay. <laughs> have, you ever said, have you ever started a week and said, this is the week I'm going to get my act together? Um, you don't have to raise your hand for this week. Well, getting your act together is important, but it's much more deep than that. If I, can, if I can just get my thoughts straight, then my actions will fall in place. Uh, and, and the rest will happen later. Or sometimes we mix it up and we say, my intentions are good. As long as my intentions are good, well, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. God understands. As long as my intentions are good. We often say there's a a road going somewhere that's paved with good intentions. Have you ever heard that? And so we want to make sure we get these things straight by pursuing, hungering, thirsting after all rightness. Not all right, but all rightness. And that's our primary aim, is to pursue God and to find that. And if we ever get those straight, then we'll land in the right place and we'll be very, very satisfied. Now, how many of you know there will be some course corrections along the way? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why we're here for one another. Uh, We must encourage one another in righteousness. Hebrews 3 says it, but exhort one another. That word means encourage. It means some other things, I'll tell you. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, as long as you're still alive and it's today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is really deceitful. How many of you know that? How many of you know Satan's a really tricky dude? He lies all the time. And he whispers things and he whispers to our hurts and he gets us in a tangle and he gets us upset. And that's why we need to come alongside one another. Here's that same word, paraclete, parakaleo. It's the word for Holy Spirit. And it means to come alongside. Holy Spirit is God who comes alongside to encourage, comes alongside to comfort, comes alongside to lift up, comes alongside to fuel what you need. And we are to do that to, for one another. It's really why small groups are so very important. Because it's in those smaller groups or in sometimes those accountability relationships that we can say, you know, I've noticed something. Can I talk to you about this? I want to encourage you. I want to exhort you in this area that I've been seeing so that we can make the course corrections along the way. So the question for this weekend is this. How much am I seeking righteousness? You might say, well, Not at all. Apparently I need to think about that. Or or how how much are you hungering and thirsting for all righteousness? You might say, well, a little bit. Maybe that's a course adjustment that we need to make. I I know I find myself needing to make. Because the person who is craving righteousness will be filled, will be satisfied, better than Thanksgiving football even. And this defines your position, where you are, and it begins to set your trajectory. We're going to talk about momentum. We're going to talk about path. We're going to talk about the destiny in this. But 
without knowing the position. Where are you in Christ? And are you pursuing all righteousness? Let's pray together. You may have come here today and you may have had a lot of questions and you may have realized, you know what? This is the thing that's been empty inside of me. I want things to be right, but I don't know how. And I've tried and tried and I can't make them right. And I've had relationships that I can't fix. And I've had hurts that I cannot seem to overcome. And now would be the time to say, oh God, I, I get it. The thing I need most, the thing I hunger for most is you and I want you. Come into me and fill that God-shaped hole. Come into me and save me. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me from unrighteousness and set me on that course. Set me on that path because I need you. And if you pray a prayer, something like that in your heart, you begin this launch. You begin this mission. You head toward the destiny and the plan that he has for you. God, we thank you that you have a plan for each and every one of our lives. And it's not for tidbits, it's not for morsels, but it is to fill us and satisfy us with all rightness, with everything being right. God, we praise you and we thank you for that. Lord, in the course of our lives, of this launch that you have done, may may we find you more and more and more and find your righteousness, your rightness more and more and more. In Jesus' name, amen. So if somebody says, how are you doing? How do you answer that? Some people say, better than I deserve. That's, that's true. <laughs> and, and some people will say, uh, blessed by God and highly favored. I love that. But I, I'm thinking about, I'm hungering and thirsting for rightness, for all rightness. It's a little complicated. You'll get some funny looks if you say that. Well, I'm blessed that you are here this weekend. Uh, We want to uh, encourage you in uh, worshiping by tithes and offerings. We have no contact opportunities for tithes and offerings. I want to give you a few announcements uh, that we want to lift before you. Uh, One is that uh, on, on this evening we have youth group and we have also kids club. And these are just marvelous programs. Got, you know, we're having great groups that are showing and coming back out for youth ministry. Um, and uh, our kids club is in progress, but it's not too late. If you have a child or a grandchild, uh, get them involved in this kids club on uh, Sunday afternoons. And uh, it is uh, from 5 until 7 p.m. And we actually have care uh, from 7 until 8 p.m. But it's a fantastic program uh, with some great things going on. They're learning some songs and they're going to sing here in worship at this service and also at the, at the other Sunday morning service uh, on uh, October 24th. So we're excited about that. Hallelujah. How many of you would say it's been a little too long since we've seen and heard children singing in our church? So I'm very, very excited about that. Well, the rummage sale was a fabulous success. Say hooray. Yeah. It's just so great. And I've, I've told Pastor Ann, I've said, you know, if, if we only did the rummage sale for the fellowship and, the, and kind of the fun of it and the hot dogs, I would just say, let's do it for that reason. 
And you know, it's a huge blessing. I see people that are so blessed by uh, being able to buy clothing for their family, so many things that they're able to obtain, and, uh, and it's just a blessing to them. But it's also a great blessing in our ministry. Um, and so do you, do you want to know the final tally? Because I have it right here. Uh, well, the rummage sale produced through your work and everything, $8,766.50. So... And those funds are so important because so many of, um, of the youth, uh, they, don't, they would not be able to come to our conferences, to our retreats and our camps without this funding. What I was just talking about is having a heart, it said, for those who are fatherless, the widows and the orphans. And there are so many in our world today that are spiritually orphans and they need so much to have the support, you know, their parent would just laugh if they said uh, that they needed $170, you know, for a retreat or something like that. We have scholarships that we're able to meet them, we're able to help them, and it's because of this funding and all that you do, and we appreciate that so very much. The fall retreat is coming very, very soon, just a few more weeks, November 5 through 7. Uh, the theme is Hope is Found, and uh, we hope you'll pick up a prayer sheet. The most important thing is not the funding. The most important thing is prayer, for you to pray. And if you'll pick up a prayer sheet, we put the names of a name of a child who is registered. You can pray specifically for that child. You may very well hear about how God has uh, brought them to faith during the, the uh, conference as it goes on. Uh, it's a great, great opportunity. So spread the word. We want, we want there to be no obstacle for uh, teenagers being able to be at this uh, fall retreat, this fall camp, because so much, um, so much is done there in the lives of the of the teenagers. So much of the gospel is experienced there. We've started our prime time this past weekend. We have great classes. Uh, we have the materials available out in the lobby on the table out there in the center. Uh, we'd love for you to be a part. We've just done one class, and there are seven more in uh, all of these different choices. There's financial peace. There's a great uh, Dr. David Jeremiah one that Pastor Ann and I are teaching. Uh, fantastic studies, a grief class, and this time and this day is so very needed. You might know someone who needs that, and you can at least suggest it. Take a flyer and suggest that. It would be a great way to reach out to them. We also want you to mark your calendar for October 29, Trunk or Treat. Uh, we're just going to have a fun time outdoors, no spooky costumes. We're just going to have fun uh, together. And if you would like to be one of the trunk people, uh, let us know in the church office and you can set up your trunk and have candy and all that kind of thing. It's a really uh, safe environment for the kids to go around and uh, and just have fun and uh, get the candy and stuff so they'll be wired all night and all that. Well, and you'll get a little bit too, I'm sure. Um, but also our Faith Fellowship uh, Holiday Marketplace is Saturday, December the 4th. We'd love for you to um, be a, a part of that. If you are a vendor or you know a vendor, you might suggest this to them that they uh, could be a part of this. We have a form for them to fill out. Uh, but just be sure and be here. This is another one of those things. It's just so fun. It's just so great. And I love to see all that happens there. Well, our tour to Israel is happening. We have, uh, we're leaving on December 28th. So please pray for us. We'll be asking you for prayers to put into the Western Wall uh, as we uh, go uh, to Jerusalem at the end of this year. 
Uh, it's not too late to sign up. Uh, we have about 30 who are going. And actually at this hour right now, Pastor Ann is teaching the Israel prep class over in room 207. And uh, it's just everything you'd want to know and, and then some probably about Israel and about the history and the land and the geography and all the things. If you're thinking you might want to go sometime, I talk to people that say, I can't go this time, but I'm going to go someday. You might want to check out that class next weekend at 9 a.m. and then come to worship at 1045. They would love to have you there and just be in prayer for us as we bring that all together. We have a couple of things here at this season, Operation Christmas Child. Uh, The boxes are going to be here. You'll pick up the boxes in the lobby, uh, and they'll explain uh, the drill on this. There's there's lots of explanation on this, but put together your box. And this is an outreach that goes really around the world. And I love it now that you can trace uh, the box. You 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 can see where the box is going and where it ends up, uh, which is fantastic. We also have our Thanksgiving food drive. There's a list of things that uh, are in your bulletin, and we'll be collecting those items November 6 and 7. Uh, and this is just a, a way we put together the Thanksgiving baskets for families that are in need at this time of year or you know, just would not have all that they need to have that Thanksgiving blessing, that Thanksgiving meal. So we'd love for you to share in that. Well, I'm so glad that you are here. We are so blessed, and uh, let's stand as we get ready to go. Uh, If you are here for the first time, I'd love to meet you, and I'll be over at this table to your left where the lamp is lit. We have a a, uh, gift for you as a first-time worshiper, and we'd love to answer your questions, just get to know you. Let us go forth in the name of Jesus, hungering and thirsting after righteousness knowing that in him we will be satisfied. In Jesus' name, amen.